coming up in this episode of Finding Common Ground. Wow, I love it. I love the fire, Bill. I love the fire from the rabbi. I love it. Uh, it's not as long as a black funeral. But it's oh, nothing as long as a black funeral, Bill. You know, you know what? We're not going to talk about your butt. You know what? We're not going to talk about your butt, Bill. There are two sides to every coin. How do we deal with racial issues when they affect relationships? Finding common ground on all those issues that we come against. There's black and there's white. And I think as Christians, we have to learn how to get together because we're not in heaven. I've met more interesting people just by God just bringing them in. Republicans and Democrats. But a lot of times when it comes to race and it comes to culture and it comes to perception, even as Christians, we don't always understand. We look at it through our lenses. There's Bill. I grew up in a suburb of Cleveland called Parma. Uh, Any black the, people in Parma? There was not one. Not one black person, not Bill? Not one. Come not on, Bill, one. you got to have one, a nope. token black person, a token. And there's Odell. I grew up in Charleston, South Carolina, public housing, single mom, divorced single mom with four kids, and I came up through segregation and all that kind of stuff. If a black person drove through the town, the police would stop and escort them out. Bill and Odell are finding common ground. A part of what we have to do is listen to each other, find the common ground, and question, not questioning you like you're on a witness stand, but questioning you for a better understanding. Father God, we come to you this morning just saying thank you for health, strength, and just the ability to just serve you. We thank you for putting us in positions as leaders. However, we know that with that come so many responsibilities. You didn't call us to lead and make decisions that just benefit us. You called us to lead and make decisions for your people. God, help us in our decision-making. Help us make sure that our decisions are not really about us, but about those you called us to serve. God, we thank you and we praise you. Amen. Dearly, Father, we just... Uh... Thank you for bringing uh, people that want to serve you and make it their, their career to serve you and their congregation. Lord, uh, it's, it's, it's a special calling to lead a congregation. It's a special calling to serve you in that way. And we thank you for bringing such strong people, such wonderful people. And we have a guest today that's going to share that with us. Uh, thank you, Lord, for my friend Odell and his family. Let his chest cold go away and as the medicines work. Amen. Amen. God, thank you for bringing us to a place in time and space where we have many leaders from many different religious backgrounds and cultural backgrounds and faiths working together to make our world a better place. We are endeavoring to complete your work of tikkun olam, of repairing the world. Um, and that happens each and every day with every podcast, with every service, with every act of loving kindness. Um, and thank you for bringing us to this very moment here right now at this table. Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech haolam, shehechianu v'kiyamanu v'higiyanu lazman hazeh. Blessed are you, Adonai, our God, ruler of the universe, who has blessed us and sustains us and brings us to this very moment. Amen. 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 
Odell, how are you feeling today? I know you had a little chest cold. Is, are the drugs working? Man, the drugs are working, Bill. I'm feeling so much better, but more importantly, my wife is pleased with me. She asked me to go to the doctor after she got tired of me complaining about this little cough I had. You know, sometimes she says to me, you know what, I wonder what would you do if you had to have a baby? You know what I mean? And it's almost <laughs> like that's the go-to card sometimes because if I whine too much around the house, it's like, you can't even deal with pain. What happened if you had to have a baby? So, you know, I've learned over my 36 years of marriage not to try to even answer that question. So she, you know, she asked me once or twice and anyone who's been married for a period of time understands that once the wife asks you a couple of times, you know, you have to have a real answer. So we got a appointment. And like I said, it was the whole idea of telemed, which was new to me. But we did that. I uh, prescribed the drugs. I went to Walmart, came with a grocery bag full of uh, medications and took them last night, yesterday before I got home, because I know what she was going to ask me, Bill, when I got home. Did you pick up your medications? Yes, ma'am. Did you take them? Yes, ma'am. Okay, good. How are you feeling? Yes, ma'am. I'm feeling better. So <laughs> the secret to marriage in my house, Bill, is yes, dear. Yes, dear. Yes, dear. Oh. So I feel so much better, though. Well, you know, a lot of times, Bill, if I listened to my wife, it, it, things would be so much better. But just sometimes <laughs> it's like, I know I need to call a doctor. I know I need to do this. I know I need to do that. But sometimes I don't always do what I know I need to do. So you, a long you, answer to a short question. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing good. But, you know, my marriage has got to be a lot different than yours because I always get the last word. No, I don't get the and, last word. No, I do. You know what it is? Yes, dear. <laughs> <laughs> and and I've learned that, you know, I can get that last word. Hey, yesterday I was having uh, a bunch of scouters, uh, Walt, Walt Farr and uh, Brad, uh, have invited me to come and have pizza with them. And, uh, at, uh, bricks and some beer, we did that last night and, and Brad wants to have breakfast with you and I, he listens to our podcast and that's why I'm saying his name now. Cause I know he's going to listen and he just thinks we're wonderful. Now I've been trying to change that attitude a little bit and say that one is a good looking, wonderful guy. And that's you. And yeah, I'm just the old... black guy, the look, good looking black guy. Bill. Okay. Well, Brad, we'll get it right for you. But anyway, <laughs> I wanted to share that with you. We got a lot of compliments last night on the show. Uh, the uh, well, I'm glad you're feeling better uh, because I worry about you. And uh, at this time of the year, you know, being under the weather is a little tough. Bill is more than that. You know, this time, this time of where we're at in the country, if someone even look like they want to sneeze, everybody started looking at them saying, is oh, it yeah. COVID, is it there, is it Omicron? You know, not trying to make fun of the virus, but it's different now. If you sneeze the wrong way in Panera Bread, everybody turn around and look at you. You yeah. know, just imagine, remember when we were in Israel, Bill, we had the pleasure going over, traveling over to Israel, how we had just a great time and the great food and just people were everywhere. Imagine if this was today and I went over there and I sneezed, everybody would look at me like, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. So that's kind of the difference now in a chest cold or having a cold. But Bill, I'm feeling better. We ready to go to Israel again, Bill. You ready to travel? You got oh, your passport ready, my friend? I'm ready to travel, man. I'm ready. It's My passport is ready. Actually, I'm going to be in Denver Sunday and I'll be there for th three and a half days teaching the Denver Council uh, Best Business Practices uh, continuous improvement. So I'm excited to do that. I haven't been traveling for a little bit. So, uh, I'm looking forward to leaving Sunday for that. And then Dory's going to come out and meet me and we're going to head up the Vale and do some snow skiing. 
So we're excited. It's wow. a little break there. So Well, but it's still not like waking up on the Mediterranean, overlooking the Mediterranean, and going downstairs and having this feast for breakfast. I oh, mean, man. you have all Amen. kind of fish and fruit. And what I love about Israel, they love dessert, Bill. They love dessert. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but boy, they love dessert. And that's my people's. I'm not Sammy Davis Jr. yet, but that's my people with the dessert. <laughs> well, remember, we went to the Sea of Galilee and we stayed at that resort. I think it was Sitta. And uh, it was right on the Sea of Galilee. Your front of your deck was looking over the Sea of Galilee. And the back deck had a hot tub that looked at one of the mountains. Oh, my God. Oh, yes. Yes. Oh, yes. it was. I said, I don't want to move. And uh, I remember we were, a couple of the people wanted to go swim in the Sea of Galilee. No, I wasn't one of them. But I did go down and watch them because the water was really cold. They got in about to their kneecaps. And finally, somebody jumped in and screamed because it was so cold. And then I saw my buddy, Ron Milstein, my bus buddy, drive, riding a bicycle down the path. And uh, he looked like a uh, Jewish hell's angel on that. Uh-huh. So I ended up buying him a Harley Davidson shirt on the bus and gave it to him. But he's a good guy. Well, remember, didn't we go to the dead? Was it the Dead Sea when we went there and the mud and all that kind of good stuff? Yep. Did you float? Did you get in there and float? No, 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 no. It's something about a black person putting black mud on their face. Those pictures never go away. So, you know, I'm very conscious of stuff like that. I'm, I'm doing the prerequisite. Like, okay, here we're going down to the Dead Sea. The white folks going to put black mud on their face like Noxzema because the, the mud is cleansing and pictures are going to be taken everywhere. Now, all we need is the good looking black man with black mud on his face on Facebook. You know, Bill, I'm, I'm, I'm very daring, but certain things, ah, I just leave that alone. So now nah, I didn't float. I don't need nobody seeing my gut out there on Facebook because <laughs> pictures never go away. So it's not going to be any black mud. It's not going to be Odell gut out there. Ain't going to be any of that. So mm. I enjoyed myself though. Well, I remember when I first went in there, Dory was already in there floating. Just come on in. And, and I'm, I'm kind of figuring, how does this work? You know, have you, have you tried that rabbi? I have indeed uh, a couple of times. Yeah. And so I, I, I finally gently lay myself down and my arms floated, my legs floated, but my butt sank. Okay. All right. Uh, Ty, you know what? We're not going to talk about your butt. You know what? We're not going to talk about your butt, Bill. Well, I was going to ask you if you went in, what happened to you? Hey, listen, the Dead Sea that can hold up anything for since ancient times, you're saying it can hold up anything else except for your butt. So yeah, with that, Bill, it's time to introduce our guest. This is a family-friendly show. It is. That's right. That's right. Well, we're going to, we have a great guest today. I, I, I've been excited since, since she said she would come in. It's Rabbi Libby Fisher. She is the uh, rabbi and director of religious education at our local uh, Jewish synagogue. And uh, I get confused. There's synagogue and there's a temple. Yes. And um, you're the temple. Yes. Here in Greensboro, we have a reform congregation and a conservative congregation. The reform congregation <laughs> is Temple Emmanuel. The conservative congregation is Beth David, and that's synagogue. Okay. And here, and I was confused too, because here in Greensboro, if you're talking about temple, you're talking about the reform place. And if you're talking about synagogue, you're talking about the conservative place. That's not the case where I grew up. So I made the mistake very early in my time here. Someone say, oh, what do you, what brought you to Greensboro? I said, oh, I'm working for the synagogue. And someone overheard me 
who actually is one of my congregants said, no, you're, you're working for the temple. There's a big difference. So here it's not only in Greensboro that that is a distinction. Um, but that becomes more important in smaller communities where there are only one or two right. people have their, their titles. So in Israel, there are the distinction too. And then there's Orthodox and ultra Orthodox, correct? Yes. Um, the, we also have an Orthodox community here in Greensboro, um, because we have a Chabad. Um, but, the distinction originally about temple and synagogue is um, the temple that stood in Jerusalem and then was destroyed. Um, after that happened, um, Orthodox and conservative congregations didn't want to call themselves temple because there is only one temple, the temple in Jerusalem. So we can't be a temple, we'll be synagogue, which is the Greek word for gathering place, uh, a, ga- a gathering of people. And uh, in the reform movement, we've said, um, that's true. There's the temple, but we in the, in the reform world want to be, uh, you know, we want to be what the temple was not as far as sacrifices and all of right, that, but, right. um, we want to be the central location. And so, um, if you see places that are called temple Emmanuel or temple Israel, you're likely correct to assume they're a reform congregation. Okay. Very good. Great for the distinction. Well, let's talk a little bit about- you're new to Greensboro. Yes. Like, I think it's six months. Uh, we'll be six months at the end of December. Yeah. And you came from Chicago. Uh, not directly. I'm <clears throat> from Chicago. My family is from Chicago. I grew up in the Northwest suburbs. Um, and I'm one of those weird people who's almost my entire family lives in that area. Um, there's now I'm in North Carolina. I have a cousin in Boulder and I have a cousin in Southern California, but almost everyone else is, is centrally located. Um, but I did my years of school training to become a rabbi in mostly in Cincinnati. So this is my first position out of school. So I moved here directly from Cincinnati. Okay. So you went to Chicago, Cincinnati and North Carolina. You're coming South. I'm, You're getting, doing the right I'm, getting, thing. I'm going South and, uh, and East. <laughs> south and east yeah now um you know it's interesting because i kind of follow the same pattern i come from cleveland and i'm the oldest of eight wow and i had 66 first cousins within walking distance oh so we had our own congregation <laughs> yeah you, you really did <laughs> yeah we used to say when we played uh touch football we had an offense defense and cheerleaders they're all family uh <laughs> but uh the same thing in in my family of eight uh, actually, the 66, there's only about five of us that have left Cleveland. Wow. And uh, and I'm the one in North Carolina. I've got uh, a couple spread out, but we do family Zoom, so we get together as often as we can. And Christmas is always a big, yeah. big time to get you together. You still have people in your family who can't mute and unmute. And- oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> You, you tell them let's zoom and they go, no, no, I'm not zooming. I'll call you. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but that's okay. It's part of the technology there. Well, let's talk about you a little. I, I'm intrigued because I went to your installation and with uh, Rabbi Andy mm-hmm. and uh, it was a beautiful, beautiful event. Your parents were there. Your family was there. One of your friends was the one that gave you the introduction, I guess yeah, it's called. She, uh, what do we call that? She spoke nicely about me. Yeah, <laughs> she, she installed me. We call it, she's the one who installed me. Okay, well, it was great. It was a great, and I had never been to one before. And we went with uh, uh, Rabbi Joshua Ben Gideon and his wife Rebecca and Lanny Samet and sat there and really enjoyed it. Now, Odell, I got to tell you something. Uh, it's not as long as a black funeral, <laughs> but it's well, nothing as long as a black funeral, Bill. And, you know, to Rabbi Libby's uh, point. Uh, she was talking about temple and synagogue. Well, you know, as Black Baptists, we have the 
this Baptist on this corner, the next Baptist on the corner. We have AME Zion, we have Zion, we have full gospel, we have a little bit of gospel, we have Mount Zion. Uh, you know, we didn't care about the name, we probably called ourselves Temple. And with all that being said, it's just one of those situations. So don't trust me. You know, we're a little bit of everything. I think we even Southern Baptist sometimes do, even though Southern Baptist is usually for the other folk, but we're not usually Southern Baptist, but I have uh, spoke at a Southern Baptist church before and radio station. So we, Baptist is a little bit of everything, Rabbi, so don't worry about it. Don't well, you know, worry about it. You know what? Two things Baptists don't recognize. What's that? The Pope's authority and each other in a liquor store. Okay. <laughs> All right, so Prop Bill, now you know I'm trying to get over chest over you making me laugh. Talking about my brethren, you know, we say, uh, you know, sometimes according to what Baptist church you're involved in, drinking is an issue, you know, but, you know, we say Jesus turned water into wine. So the Bible says that, the you know, everyone says that, and that's just kind of how it is, but yeah, yeah. We'll just leave it right there, Bill. Let's get back to um, Rabbi Libby and keep moving. Okay, okay. So Rabbi Libby, you've been down here for six months, um, and uh, I've got questions because you're, you're a young single woman, mm -hmm. uh, come from Chicago and Cincinnati where there's an active life, uh, not that Greensboro doesn't, but how are you finding the food and the culture here in uh, compared not to Chicago or Cincinnati, but your expectations. Yeah. So I'm, I'll be honest. I had not heard of Greensboro before, uh, you know, when we're looking for jobs, there's a whole list on a website of these are the places that are hiring, looking to hire a rabbi. And I saw there's one in Greensboro, North Carolina. Um, and this isn't news. I've told this to people on the search committee at Temple. Um, one of the only reasons I was curious enough to click on it in the first place was because they were one of the first ones on the list. Um, you know, come November, they tell us, don't look, don't look, they're not going to be anyone. They really populate in December and January, but we're looking for jobs. So, you know, we're refreshing that page every 42 seconds. Um, and they were one of the first ones there. I was like, all right, got to see what's gotta happening in Greensboro, out. North Carolina. Um, and it's actually astonishing to me that I hadn't heard of it because uh, the American Hebrew Academy, AHA, was here. Um, I think they just closed 2019. Um, but I do remember hearing about AHA, um, you know, this boarding high school, Jewish high school. Um, but I don't remember it being attached to, to the Greensboro. city. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, so my expectations were, um, you know, not to get my hopes too far up about what would be happening here. But I also know that you can always be surprised. Um, I think I was ready to be surprised. Um, and I really have been, I really compare it to, um, when you talk about, you know, what, what's the social life like for a young single woman in Greensboro? Um, the fact is, you know, I have colleagues and classmates all over the country. Um, my, uh, roommate for four years from Cincinnati is now an assistant rabbi on the upper West side of New York city. Wow. Um, and she is at a much bigger congregation. They have six clergy members on their team, about 1800 families. And she's in New York city. When you think of New York city, you think like lots of young Jewish people, um, but she barely has time to explore what that looks like. She's busy. Uh, she's busy, just like I am. So, you know, that's my experience 
tells me and hearing the experience of my colleagues that it actually has very little to do with where you live and everything to do with the type of job that you have. Um, I will say here in Greensboro, people have been so warm and welcoming. And that's one of those catchphrases, right? We like to think people are warm and welcoming and everybody says their congregants are the most warm and welcoming. This is really like the most welcoming I have seen and really felt in a place. You know, everyone wants to make sure I'm settling in. Everyone wants to invite me for dinner and to make sure I've seen, you know, I'm going to see Dear Evan Hansen on Sunday um, at the Tanger Center, which I haven't been to yet because a congregant invited me to join her. Wow. Um, and, you know, those are things that um, when we talk about being clergy and being leaders and thinking about boundaries, which are important, it's important to have boundaries. Everybody has them um, and they're not a bad thing. But in a in a smaller place like this, um, it feels like there's less pressure. Everyone knows I'm a person, too. Um, the food is surprisingly good. That, that is the thing I was the most surprised by. You thought you were going to get fried chicken all the time. First of all, I love fried chicken, but Odell, hear that. You just hit a nerve there. You say fried chicken. I object to that. Why couldn't it have been something else? Fried chicken. I know it is. Something like that. Yeah. I actually, I hate. I'm picking at him, Rabbi. I'm just picking at him. We picked at each other with stuff. You hate, no, you don't I hate like sweet tea. See, so do I. I don't I, like it. I only, I love iced tea. I, I once joked to a friend. I like my iced tea, um, like my soul, um, black and unsweetened. There you which, go. There <laughs> you go. Um, but, uh, that's something I'd have had to get used to saying like, I want unsweet tea. Yeah. You have to specify. Oh yeah. Um, but you know, I had one of my best friends from high school also lives in New York city. Um, and she came in to visit, you know, one of the nice things about working from home and working remotely is, um, and her company continues to allow remote working. She came here for a week and she was working, but she was also staying with me in my very um, generously sized apartment for a very <laughs> reasonable price, as opposed to what she lives in in Brooklyn. Oh my um, gosh, I can imagine. And, you know, yeah. I couldn't go work there for a week, even if I could work remote, because there's nowhere for me to sit. Um, that tiny. Right. No, it's not, it's not that bad, but you know, she and her partner live together and they both work and they use up all the space in the apartment. Um, and we went out to eat. Have you been to Machete? No, I have not been to Machete. Um, have you Odell? No. Uh -uh. All right. Oh, she so, doesn't a... serve any fried chicken bill. So yeah. I didn't go there. <laughs> um, Machete is, um, really, it was really good. It's, it's sort of like upscale tapas style. Oh, really? Um, and it's in my mind, very expensive. Um, you know, the two of us sat down to a, a really good meal. You need to order more than one dish in order to, to have enough to eat. And so we each had a drink and we had maybe five dishes plus a dessert. Um, and that meal was like $90 each. That was like each. A, oh, each. wow. That is um, expensive. But then again, she lives in Brooklyn. And so her response was, you know, it wasn't a cheap dinner. But that was way better for that amount of money than you would get in New York. Right. Like in yep. New York, you, this would cost three times as much she for a, a meal of this yep. quality. Well, then you should ask her to pay for yours <laughs> and make it feel better. <laughs> well, she does pay every time we go to New York. So. Oh, well, there you go. Well, you know, uh, speaking of food, I'm going to interrupt you for a minute. Odell and I went to Paris with our wives and we did the Paris to Normandy riverboat cruise. Wow. And it was my wife and I's 25th wedding anniversary. So I said, let's let's go someplace really nice in Paris, one of those top 10 restaurants mm. in the world. So I found, uh, uh, I think it's called A Pairs. And uh, 
so I went online and looked at the dinner menu and I looked at the cost because we're going to take Bevan Odell with us as our guest. And I said, there is no way I could afford this. <laughs> so we decided to go do lunch. And remember that lunch we had, Odell? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 16 courses. Wow. For and lunch. It, yeah, and they're all little ones. And they wanted to do wine in between the courses. And we said, no, <laughs> we'd be <laughs> drunk. Yeah. We started wine at the beginning. And I think we did a wine at the end. Mm. But uh, it took us two and a half hours. Wow. I, I love Paris. Um, I'm a huge foodie. I'm, if, so if I'm going to really? travel somewhere, it's because, you know, I make the list of like, what are the four foods I need to try? Um, and actually that same friend, who, uh, my friend, Deborah, who rabbi Deborah Goldberg, who is a uh, rabbi on the upper West. She'll Side, be listening. So you better she call. Will be listening. Yeah. Um, she, uh, we decided on the way home from our year of study in Jerusalem. So in order to become a rabbi through Hebrew union college, our first year of study, we live and study in Jerusalem for, uh, you know, getting to know Israel and we travel all around the country. And we decided on the way home, we were going to stop in Paris because, you know, it's not, why not? Why not? Why not? It's cheap, Sounds like what my it's cheaper wife to do. get yeah. to Paris from Israel than it is to get there from here. It's halfway. And, right. So, um, but what we didn't think about was, you know, we had just lived in a abroad for a year. And so we both had, we each had two 50 pound suitcases, like one of those giant ones. <laughs> oh my goodness. Plus backpack and carry on and all that. And uh, we had an Airbnb that had no elevator and we were on the oh. fourth floor and it's an old Parisian apartment building where it's got that winding oh, staircase. My goodness. I mean, it probably took us 45 minutes <laughs> to an hour to keep going back and forth, up and down, helping one another lug the luggage. Um, but it was worth it. The food was incredible. Yeah, I do. We actually went back to the same place <clears throat> twice um, because we accidentally like ventured out of touristy Paris and ended up in real French Paris where they're not very nice to people who don't speak French. Um, Understood. And, uh, <laughs> so we tried to eat there, but we couldn't order and people were mean. So we got a cheese plate and then we left and we went back to the restaurant. We had <laughs> eaten that of the night before, but oh, they're the best French onion soup. I've oh, ever had. the or, French onion soup. I guess they probably just call it onion soup. Though. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. It's not American <laughs> onion. And we sat sure. next to a person who had their French bulldog, who's probably just called a bulldog. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they, they, the French fries are probably just fries. Just fries. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Chips. Chips, chips. Right. Now, right. In Israel, they're chips. Now, Rabbi, do you cook? I love to cook. I wish I had more time. What's your to... favorite food to cook? I, so I say I'm a great cook. I'm not a chef. So I can't really come up with my own stuff, but okay. if, if I have a good recipe, I can follow well, it. I've got a recipe for fried chicken that mm. I'm going to give you and then we'll get Odell to come and sample it. So that's my question. How, how, so we just finished celebrating Hanukkah um, and Hanukkah is the holiday of fried foods, among other very well, important things. I didn't things. know that. I didn't oh, know that. Well, that's not really what Hanukkah is about. Hanukkah is about religious freedom. And, right. And, uh, but one of the stories we tell about Hanukkah is the story of the miracle of the oil, that when Judah Maccabee and the fighters got back to the temple and it had been desecrated, they found only enough oil to last for one day, but the miracle was that it lasted for eight. That's wow. So, um, Having to do with that oil, um, fried foods are the foods we eat on Hanukkah. So traditionally, we'll eat latkes, which are you know fried potato pancakes, mm -hmm. um, and uh, sufganiyot, which are don't the jelly filled donuts. Oh wow! Um, and my family, this is 
I don't know, maybe I'm letting the cat out of the bag. <laughs> um, we bake our latkes, mm-hmm. which is maybe a little healthier, sac- sacrilegious, uh-huh. also healthier, but mostly because it's so messy and smelly to fry them in the house. So I was going to ask about your fried chicken. Is it, <laughs> yeah. Is fried a- chicken. You've got to, it, it, uh, once the, you got to be careful with the oil, if you get it too hot, it's, it's nasty smell. Uh, but if you get the right skillet and you do it right, uh, it does smell good. It does. Smell oh, I know good. that smell. Yeah. That smells good. Yeah, it smells and then it good. never leaves your house. That's well, that's true. <laughs> that's true. When you, people walk in, they go, you just fried chicken. Yeah. About a month ago. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Odell, can, can, can you or Bev make fried chicken? No, 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 no. Bev can cook anything. Of course. Uh, I can't cook anything. Um, you know, when you start thinking about fried chicken or any more traditional foods or Southern food, it's all the stuff that comes along with it, all the bias, the prejudice, and the stereotypes associated with it. Uh, Rabbi, you haven't been in the South long. Have you felt or heard of anything to make you feel some of the things that you would think about coming here? Because if I came here from Chicago, I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to North Carolina. And just the whole idea of Carolina, you have to deal with the bias, prejudice, and stereotypes against people of color, against old white guys who talk about fried chicken against Jewish people, anything like that. Have you felt anything at all? Hmm. You know, I haven't felt anything personally. Um, you know, I haven't, you know, when you, when you travel to a place like Paris these days, they say, well, you know, if you're wearing a Jewish star, make sure you tuck it in. Don't show anyone. Um, I have not felt the need to do anything like that around here. Um, I would say the way in which I felt it the most is first of all, the very strong bent towards social justice that Temple Emmanuel has, you know, that, that, Rabbi Andy really commits to that Rabbi uh, Fred Gutman committed to before that, um, that there's a real strength and depth to that commitment that congregations all over the country, especially in the reform movement, care a lot about these things. Um, but there's something more personal about it here that, that we have uh, brothers and sisters of all colors and faiths and backgrounds who are experiencing these things and you're right across the street. And so I think that's really meaningful and powerful to me. The other space I think I've felt it is in the way that we talk um, about political issues at Temple. Um, you know, there there are many rabbis who would say the pulpit is not a place to talk about politics, um, and I can understand that. I I know congregants have come and said I don't come to Temple and services to talk about what's happening in the outside world. I come here to pray and, and, and to really focus inward. And in my mind, and something that's really um, fostered and echoed at Temple Emmanuel is that we come together and pray and we turn inward so that we can then turn outward hmm. and, and fix the world and make well it said. better. Well um, if you come in here and you pray and you, you sit and you put your blinders on and then you go out into the world and you behave the same way that you behaved before you came to Temple, I'm glad you had a good time, but I'm not exactly sure what the purpose is. Um, You know, we come together and we pray ancient prayers that have, you know, been said for thousands of years. And then we have a sermon given by either Rabbi Koren or myself or someone else we invite to the pulpit. And hopefully those are words that are going to shape the way we behave in the world. Um, And so I think in some of the northern places more, you know, where we don't think about all the south, all the the prejudices, prejudices and racism and bigotry. First of all, it still exists. Like let's make no mistake. This is not just something that happens in the South. Um, but there are, I think it's easier for some congregations to say, well, we don't need to, 
talk about those things on the pulpit because that's not a problem that we have. Um, first of all, I think they're wrong. I think it's a problem everywhere, but here there is no, there's no questioning about that. Like it's our job. We're here to make the world better. Um, so that's, that's been my experience, but no, I haven't, um, felt any personal anti-Semitism. Um, you know, I, we've heard about it, you know, it was over the summer that there uh, was a, a big issue with, a, an, a, a professor at university of North Carolina and Chapel Hill, um, who, uh, was going to be teaching a class involving Middle East politics and was extremely anti-Israel and anti-Zionist and anti-Semitic on her t- personal Twitter. Wow. And so that became a really big issue. Um, and those are things that the rabbis at Temple Emmanuel have sort of an outsized voice and rabbis in the South in general, faith leaders in the South, people care what faith leaders in the South have to say. Um, our congregants care what we have to say in a way that in the North it's not always necessarily true. That's that's that good point. You know, I was at a dinner party and uh, we started talking about the podcast and some of the people that are on it. And uh, I said, and you know, I told them you were going to be on it. And uh, I also told them about the uh, smoking Jews and one Gentile story. And uh, and I said, I've become close with uh, folks in the Jewish community. And I, and I have some really good Jewish friends, just like I have good black friends and good Baptist and good Irish. And I mean, I don't want a distinction between that. They're good people. It just happens to be Jewish. So what's the deal? One of the guys leaned down real quiet and said, you know, they all stick together. And I'm like, what does that mean? Well, why is that a bad thing? Well, that's exactly why why, why is that bad? I'm thinking, well, you know, us scouts stick together. Right. 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 So I came back and said, you know, I, I'm not sure I understand what you're trying to tell me. And then he, he walked away. So it's there. It's subtle. Yeah. And what we've got to do is I'm not, I don't think I'll ever change that guy's mind. We got to go to the next generation mm. and, and just work that. And hopefully he hasn't tainted that generation as much. And Odell says something that's really good. You can't hate face to face as you get to know him. You break bread with him. Yeah. And, and that's the thing, you know, if he were to come back, I said, well, have you ever had dinner with a Jewish family or been invited to Shabbat and been to Passover or any of that stuff? So, yeah, I may get a chance to go and approach him and, 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 and do that. But, you know, it's there. Yeah. Uh, I think we'd be naive to think we don't have it. You know, Odell and I were up at the hunt camp and one of the kids put uh, the Confederate flag thing up. Yeah. And Odell called me right away. He says, Bill, what is this? And, well, and to, to the point, Rabbi, is the fact that we have to call it out when we see it. Yeah. And it's uncomfortable sometimes, but it is. That's what I admire and love about Rabbi Fred Gutman and his legacy. Rabbi Fred Gutman was such a powerful, powerful voice. And even when it got to the point of maybe, just maybe, he didn't always, everyone didn't agree with him, but he was powerful. And he taught me so much about just putting it out there. And if people didn't always agree with you, that's fine. But he was just so powerful. So I am so thankful to Rabbi Gutman and Rabbi Andy has a different approach, but the same spirit. And obviously you have that same spirit. Let me just say something to you about the Jewish community from a black person's perspective. I don't speak for all black people. I just speak for the good looking black guy. (laughs) The Jewish community in Greensboro, North Carolina is so important and so powerful is in helping this community uh, 
keep itself in check uh, from the Temple to the Tanger Center to Kathy Manning, uh, excuse me, Congresswoman Kathy Manning to everybody in between. It's just powerful. I've never lived in a community like this before. I love it. I love the diversity, the inclusion that we have here. I had the pleasure of standing in the sacred pulpit at Temple Emmanuel and giving a Martin Luther King Jr. Um, sermon one year. And I was allowed to be myself. From that, years later, I was invited to go over. Oh, it's one of the synagogues over in the Caribbean, right? Yes, the Caribbean that had sand on the floor. And I spoke oh, yeah. there. And then, and then I did uh, Torah study the next day. So all that was just very, very interesting to me. And I really <clears> just enjoyed it. It was just a blessing. But at the same time, we call a spade a spade here. Uh, if something's not right, we call each other on it in a very nice way because we are committed. We do the interfaith trips. I think I've been on five of them, one of them as a guest, the other four as part of the leadership. And a big part of that is, is let's start getting the relationships together before something happens. So if something happens, then, you know, Rabbi Libby Fisher can pick up the phone and say, Odell, we need to have coffee tomorrow morning. Let's talk about this because it's hard to build the relationships in the middle of the confusion, Absolutely. in the middle of the chaos. The relationships have to be built ahead of time. And I'm so happy that you are part of this community. And I want to let you know, you have a friend over here at Mount Zion Baptist Church and anything I can do personally to help you, I'm willing to do that. And, you know, I have a passion for women and clergy. You know, women and clergy, oh my God, people don't understand. From a Black Baptist perspective, I've seen my colleagues who were Black females, intelligent, a whole lot more smarter than I am, get treated in such a way where they're not mistreated, but they're not treated right. And I don't know, Rabbi, where's that place where you're not mistreated, but then you're not treated right and fairly? Help me on that. Yeah. Uh, well, first, I think I want to say, you know, thank you for for what you said. And, um, you know, you're talking, you know, you were talking about this guy who you don't think you can change his mind about, but maybe you can, but maybe you can't. It's the next generation. We had a professor of blessed memory, um, Rabbi Aaron Pankin, um, who used to when we talk about conversation and dialogue, would say, how many times do you sit across from someone and have a conversation and you really change your mind. And his, his point was most people don't good point. Most people don't change their minds. And then we could have the, the conversation that goes after that about, well, how do you get someone to change their mind? But I think the space of dialogue is so important and right that face to face. And so the fact that you guys have put together this podcast that brings people together from across all places in society to have these conversations, I think that is really important in the you know ongoing endeavor to uh bring people together um you know you <laughs> the question of being a woman in the clergy and what you know where are you not really treated wrong but not really right either the biggest place that that comes in for me is when it comes to names and titles and it's really fascinating because i when i think of myself I think of myself as a rabbi and also as a woman. And for me, those are both important aspects of who I am. That has 
not always been the case. And it's certainly not the case for every woman who's a rabbi. I think the biggest problem we have is generalizing saying, okay, well, that woman who's a rabbi told me this. So that's how all women clergy want to be treated. And that's, that's certainly not the case. Um, and, you know, next year we'll be celebrating 50 years of women in the rabbinate. Wow. Um, our first, the first woman uh, who was officially ordained by the reform movement was Rabbi Sally Priestand uh, in 1972. She is still uh, around. She still uh, gives lectures and talks about her experience. But, you know, the experience of the lone woman who was the only official rabbi is obviously very different than now where, you know, about 50% of my class was women, maybe a little more. Um, and so, you know, I'm very grateful for the women who came before me and sort of were trailblazers in this really tough position. Um, you know, I, I think being a woman and being a rabbi are equally important to me. Um, and I think the other piece that comes into it for me is age. Um, I'm also treated differently because I'm young. And because I'm single and um, people see me differently because I remind them of the granddaughter or I remind them of mm. the daughter, um, which is great. That's probably a great compliment because you probably love your daughter or your granddaughter. Um, but, you know, I also have five years of, of seminary training. And before that I have my undergraduate degree and, and there is something we want to respect our clergy. And so you know, I have had the conversation with someone of, well, can I call you Libby? And I certainly have congregants who call me Libby. And I am actually really fine with that. If we have a personal relationship where we can call one another that, um, cause I am a person, like I'm a rabbi, I'm a woman, I'm also a human being. Um, and I want to have close relationships where people can call me that, but I also have come to that conclusion because that is what rabbi Andy Karen does. He has people who call him Rabbi Andy, people call him Rabbi Karen, and people call him Andy. And I really wanted, when I got here, I said, what do people call you? Because whatever they were calling him is what I wanted them to call me. Um, there are a lot of situations where the senior rabbi, who is a man, is called, you know, rabbi last name. And the assistant rabbi, who is a woman, is called rabbi first name. Really? They're both technically mm. called rabbi. So you're wow. giving them the esteem of their title. But there is something different. It's also not just about, about gender. It's also about age. You know, I have a, a colleague um, in the Northeast who he is the assistant rabbi, um, and he is often called rabbi first name or just first name mm. when the senior rabbi is called rabbi last name. So it's also about age, not just about gender, um, but it's all about respect. And I absolutely get it. I do. I mean, if you are and, and this is, you know, ageism goes both ways. So I don't want to be ageist and say, you know, this certainly is not true of all people of the older generation, but it can be hard to change, especially since I am the first full-time uh, woman who is a rabbi at Temple Emmanuel. Um, they have had a woman in the past come in on a, on a monthly basis, I think, but I'm the first full-time uh, woman working as a rabbi in the community, in the, in the reform community. And so I think, this is new and, and it takes some time to get there. And, and I have, I do have a lot of patience for that. I understand it's hard to get used to something just because the first woman was ordained in 1972. doesn't mean that Temple Emmanuel of Greensboro experienced that. It's not because they didn't want a woman working here to be quite honest. There haven't been that many rabbis or that much change in rabbinic leadership since then, which is great. It means people like it here. It means people want to stay. Um, 
But where I grew up, um, I grew up a congregation, B'nai Jehoshua Beth Elohim, which is a mouthful. So we say BJBE. <laughs> um, and that's in Deerfield, Illinois. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think the year after I was born was the year that the first uh, woman was hired as an assistant rabbi. Wow. Um, so there was a woman who was an assistant rabbi for many years. And then um, our, the current senior rabbi of BJBE, Rabbi Karen Kadar, um, she is actually retiring at the end of this year, um, but she started in 2002-ish, I want to say. So almost my entire life, I have seen a woman who is a rabbi at the pulpit. Oh, that's like, great. And so my experience, I grew up, of course, of course you call them rabbi last name. That's what we call it. You know, it was Rabbi Memis. It was Rabbi Kadar, just like the man was Rabbi Shapiro, yep. right? That's just what we called people. And so- I think it's a little different here. It's a little less formal here also than the congregation where I grew up. So there are people who call Andy Rabbi Andy, and there are people who call me Rabbi Libby, and I'm fine with it, but I'm only fine with it because it's the same thing they're doing for the other guy. Absolutely. And I have had conversations with congregants where they said, can I call you Libby? And I say, well, can I ask you a question? What do you call that guy over there? Wow. I love it. I love the fire, Bill. I love the fire, Rabbi. I love it. I yeah, love it. She's she's good. I tell you, I, I, I very impressed the, uh, you know, we have another female rabbi here, uh, Rabbi Rebecca Ben Gideon, yeah. Joshua's wife, mm-hmm. Rabbi Joshua's, and uh, she runs the school right. over there. And uh, she's great. Great lady. The uh, We're blessed to have two wonderful female rabbis. Yeah. And you bring a whole dimension. I'm going to tell you a story about when I was called pastor once. I was on a missions trip up in Allentown, Pennsylvania, and we were in an old Catholic church that was converted into uh, uh, like an evangelical church. Mm-hmm. Now, in Catholic churches, they have the main uh, sanctuary, and then they have these little sanctuaries off to the side, one for Mary and one for Joseph. Mm-hmm. And the place was full of our high school kids and Pastor Don Miller, who's from Westover, I call him Pastor Don, good friend, and his wife and I were sitting in the Mary altar. And uh, Pastor Jimmy Rivera was, he's a a Puerto Rican, just just a real spitfire. Just, he was praising the Lord. And and he says, we have the honor today of having Pastor Don and Pastor Bill with us. And I lean over to Pastor Don. I said, it looks like I got a promotion. (laughs) And he goes over my dead body. (laughs) Well, I guess it's better to be... Overly respected than under respected. Exactly. <laughs> but I felt very uncomfortable because yeah. I'm not a pastor. And uh, the uh, sunny so out, it's uh, it yeah. was a good experience. We're getting near the end here, uh, and we, uh, we're going to give you a chance to think about something. We always ask our our guests, to, "How do you find common ground?" Mm-hmm. So think about that. Nodell, I know you've got a couple more questions. Oh yeah, uh, Rabbi Libby Fisher. Let me just give you the secrets of the South. No one's going to tell you this, but the good looking black guy. So some of this, what we say in the Baptist church, eat the fish and spit out the bones because everything is not always good. But let me tell you the secret of the South. And remember, no one's going to tell you this. So the South has a history of older black women cooking, frying fried chicken. And the rumor is that black people love fried chicken, but white Southerners love fried chicken even more. Secret number one. The next secret is this. A lot of the rumors would say that whites and blacks don't get along in the South. That's not true. 
a lot of white men love black women. No one tells you that. No one tell you that. I'm just telling you. And the third thing is this. A lot of the segregation. Now, black Africans that were enslaved are black. A lot of their enslavers were white. Mm -hmm. A lot of people in the South, we run a spectrum from black, black to almost white. But society in the South said, if you had one drop of black blood in you, you're considered black. Mm -hmm. So if you understand those things, those are the secret of the South. And it helps understand our race relations because we, we're fighting the paradox of what we want to say we believe. But the truth is, those light-skinned babies came from somewhere. Now, but what I really want you to understand, and this is the main thing to get right, we call it sweet tea, but it's not sweet tea. It's sugar water. It's sugar water and it really just sugar full of water. We put a little bit of tea inside of it to make it look good and a lemon. So stay away from that stuff because that stuff will kill you. But we love it and <laughs> we just love it. So if you get those things right about the South, you're going to be all right because we are loving people. We love each other. But don't get tripped up on the race thing here, the black, white thing, because we all family. We all family. We just have some little issues that we're still trying to work out for the last, what, 400 years, Bill? Yeah, I mm -hmm. think you have been. It, that's for sure. We brought you over. So uh, you didn't yeah, ask to come over. We got kidnapped. We got kidnapped. <laughs> yeah. We got kidnapped. We got kidnapped. Yes, and we did. got over. But at the same yep. time, we love everybody. And the good thing about this, uh, Rabbi, is that on this show, Common Ground, we talk about a lot of things that other people may get offended. But at the same time, maybe other people think about and talk about. And part of Bill and my thing is that we want people to get offended just enough to say, hmm, how can those two talk about it, laugh about it, and still love each other? Because we have to get to the point where we're not so offended that we want to attack each other and destroy each other. Because I love Bill, and Bill loves Odell, mm -hmm. and we just work Amen. through it. So that's part of our challenge. Talk about the things people don't want to talk about, but at the same time, don't take judgment in it and make sure what we say has some morsels of truth in it, kind of like the sugar water that we call yeah. sweet tea. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. So let me ask you this question. Uh, a friend of mine told me if there was one thing I needed to know about the South, um, it was that we Northerners have no respect for our elders. And if you're speaking to someone older than you, you really should say sir or ma'am. And that's the way to be polite. Um, and if you don't say that, someone could take offense and say, well, well they don't well, have any respect I guess for us. how I'd answer that is, you're always safe when you say sir and ma'am, but it's not always necessary. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. The, uh, I think we, there's enough Yankees down here now. We've kind of broken <laughs> that. Uh, but it is a sign of respect for elders, for mm -hmm. sure. Uh, I don't know if Rabbi Andy would enjoy being called sir. Well, not by me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Hey, listen, I, wanted, I do want to say something before you answer that question. Uh, this is the first time that we've had a visitor to our podcast, and it was in your honor, one of your congregants, when he heard you're going to be on the podcast, he said he'd want to come. And it's David Weiner. David's on the Zoom. We can see him. We're waving at him. Hi, right how now. you doing, sir? He's I got him muted, so I'll let him I'll unmute him for a second. He can say hello. Okay, Odell, we're very happy to really have Rabbi Libby Fisher here in Greensboro, North Carolina. She's doing a great job, and uh, and I really like your podcast. And, and Bill is really doing a great job. 
Thank you, thank you so much, and thank you for letting me listen to this podcast. Well, thank you. Well, for David, <laughs> yes, and David, before you go, sir, what do you like the most about it? By really getting the new music, different things at the temple, and I really enjoy everything. Also, one other thing, at Starmount Country Club, they do serve fried chicken every Wednesday with mashed potatoes, gravy, salads, everything. Maybe that's where we need to make a to go over there one Wednesday night for fried chicken. Yeah, it sounds like I a agree. Day. Is there a, is there an older black woman in the kitchen cooking the chicken though? Right. Uh, it used to be Brad Sermon from Pain and Place. He used to cook cook there and all that. Good. You know, it's interesting. I love the com conversation because to Rabbi Libby's point, uh, we could have these conversations. We could talk about things and talk about it in such a way where everyone's not offended and always be respectful. So, yes, thank you so much, uh, Rabbi. So here you are in Greensboro. Everyone's inviting you out. Everyone's introducing you to someone and all this kind of stuff. You know, a lot of times I've heard the term People are like, oh, you need to meet a nice Jewish girl. That's what that's what a lot of Jewish mothers tell their sons. So now I guess you get to, oh, you need to meet a nice Jewish guy or whatever. Do you get a lot of that too? Um, people have actually been surprisingly respectful and not doing that at every turn. Um, actually, what I really appreciated and when I... I first realized there was something extra special about Temple Emanuel of Greensboro. Um, you know, I did all my interviewing on Zoom. So I, I didn't step foot here until June when I moved Holy here. Cow. Um, because of because of the pandemic, we were doing everything on Zoom. So it was sort of a, you know, a, sh a shot in the dark, not totally in the dark, but a shot in the twilight. Some There's yeah. some risk. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, one of all the many meetings I had during the Zoom interviews, one of them was with Rabbi Gutman. And I specifically remember he asked me and he, and he, he meant it with all respect. And he said, can I ask you, um, you know, he was, he was talking about the, the life here and that there is a life here and there are Jewish people here and um, there's Jewish people for, for everyone. I don't know if you're interested in men or women, but we got them. And, <laughs> and I just, oh, I, I said like, wow, like on the one hand, like I'm not moving to Greensboro for love. I'm moving for a job. But on the other hand, like that, that was, I loved that. That was being, that was, that was being very, very upfront. Yeah. And very like welcoming it. and yeah. very, you know, yeah. so, uh, yes, people do ask me, uh, there, uh, and it, it's odd, you know, I spoke earlier about boundaries and there are appropriate boundaries to have, uh, as a clergy person. And, uh, mostly people have been respectful. Um, and look, it's it's weird and that's one of the weirdest parts not being a woman and not being young but i'm also i don't know if the first but of the past couple of rabbis the only one who's come by themselves mm -hmm. um, i don't have kids i don't have a uh you know a, a partner um so you know i'm i'm happy to uh focus on the work also it's a it's really holy, really important work. And uh, I think uh, getting a dog is first. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Small steps. Yeah. A non-shedding dog. Right. <laughs> yeah, we talked <laughs> really about that. Good. Yeah. Listen, well, let's talk about your common ground, how you mm. find that. You know, it's, you've been, you've, you, you've had a short life, but a full life. Okay. <laughs> and it looks like it's going to be spectacular going forward. So how do you find common ground? I think, and we talk, we talk a lot about when we come into interfaith spaces, you know, what do you believe? 
Um, what do you believe about God? That's what people love to ask is, well, tell me what God is to you. And it's so easy to find division when we have that conversation. Well, I believe in a God that is one and that is eternal and that is infinite. And I don't believe that there are three different parts of God, or I don't believe that, you know, that there are many different gods and that's a place that we get stuck a lot of the time. Um, so I, you know, when I get to know someone, well, I, I love to have that conversation, right? We're talking about how do we offend one another just enough to have real conversations, which I can really get behind. I think for me, the way I find common ground, even before having that conversation is we can save the conversation about what you believe, but what do you do? Wow. I, I, I think, you know, if I'm standing at a soup kitchen and I'm serving and on one side of me is a black Christian guy and on the other side of me is a Muslim woman in a hijab, I actually don't care at all what you believe about God because your beliefs about the world have led you to be right here on this morning serving at the soup kitchen. And we can all believe different things, but if we can all come together to do good in this world, then whatever you're believing is great. There's your common ground. There's your common ground. Yeah. Boy, good. Well said. Well said. Well, Rabbi Libby Fisher, where do I put my application in to be the president of your fan club? <laughs> who, who do I submit that to, please? I think you're uh, supposed to submit that to David. David okay, Wiener. Got David Wiener. Got it, got He's it. already got you hooked up with uh, fried chicken. So, yeah. man, he, I don't know what else he needs to do. <laughs> oh, man, we got to do something. So that's good. So I will be the assistant to David to be the assistant vice president, Grand Poobar of Rabbi Libby <laughs> Fisher's fan club, because I know I thought it, but now I know it for sure that you are special Thank and you. you're going to bring so much to this community. Thank you so much. Just yeah, thank I, you for being who you are. And I love your fire. I love your fire. And that's so important to me. You know, the, I, I'm right there with you. So then you got three members of your fan club. Of course, they're all male and we're all good looking. Right, David? And uh, it's, it, but no, really, I am so impressed. I'm, I'm happy to have met you. Uh, I hope to get to know you better with my wife and our family. Uh I don't think you smoke cigars, so we won't. I don't. Yeah, um, but we'll, we'll have you over for some. But you know, stuff. I, I don't mind the smell, so I'm happy to be around <laughs> while it's happening. I think it's, I actually think it smells really good. Yeah, I just okay. don't smoke well, good. it myself. <laughs> well, good. Well, that's good. Well, we'll have you over. We do some things on the back porch. That's with, great. Uh, now let's all go out and get some fried chicken. Yeah, now, now I'm hungry. Me too. Me too. <laughs> yeah, there you go. We're going to have Bill cook it, so we all going to be fine. Bill, can we get the rabbi, if she don't mind, close us out in prayer, please? I think that would be lovely. Oh, sure. Yeah. Dear God, thank you for this conversation. Thank you for bringing people together from various different places and spaces, literally and, and figuratively and digitally to have really important and deep conversations. Conversations that push us to be better people. Conversations that open our minds to new perspectives. Um, and as we go out from this space, may we carry this conversation with us uh, God, help us to help others with the conversations that we've had and the perspectives that we've gained. Um, and thank you for keeping us safe and keeping us healthy. Bring our families and our communities renewed health and spirit uh, in the days to come. 
Amen. Together, amen. Amen. Find Bill and Odell online at thecommonground.show. This podcast is brought to you by Yes Weekly, the triad's largest circulating and best-read weekly magazine. You can also find us online at yesweekly.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Yes Weekly, your trusted news leader for local arts, entertainment, music, food, and more for nearly 18 years. This podcast is a production of BG Ad Group. Darren Sutherland, executive producer. Jeremy Powell, creative director. Jacob Sutherland, director. All rights reserved.